In the second part of this special mini-series designed to celebrate 400 years since the Mayflower set sail from our shores to America, I was honoured to have been invited to chat with Mark Wheatley at the stunning Guildhall in the City of London. Since 2013, Mark has represented the Ward of Dowgate within the City of London Corporation. Amongst his many roles, Mark has been heavily involved in coordinating the Mayflower 400 celebrations from a London perspective. In this episode, Mark not only recounts the incredible story of the Mayflower and what it means today, 400 years on, but he also outlines some of the wonderful themed events that will be taking place over the course of the next year. From local initiatives such as Illuminate Rotherhithe to ranging groups of disadvantaged kids to set sail themselves to the States, poetry, lectures, music, art and historic trails all designed to reflect endeavour, character, adventure and social mobility. As it says on the Mayflower 400 website, this is the world's biggest family reunion and you're invited. I'm Steve Lazarus and this is your London Legacy. We had a full storm there, didn't we? <laughs> so we just had a quick move, which isn't the first time we get moved at the beginning of uh, conversations. But I'm delighted to say I have with me today Mark Wheatley from the City of London Corporation. And we're sat here in the beautiful Members Dining Lounge, or one of them, I'm yes. guessing, anyway. Yes, we've got a few. In, and, inside um, Guildhall. Yeah, and I mean, Guildhall is the historic centre of city politics. Um the yard behind us is where the Romans had their amphitheatre and the city of London is essentially the Roman London, the square mile that was the site of the fort of the Romans. So, of course, you know, it's rich in history and heritage, and that's one of the things that attaches to the Mayflower story. Absolutely, but, uh, which is what we're here to talk about yeah. today and your heavy involvement in it. Yeah, yeah, I saw actually this is the oldest building in London, non-denominational building in the whole of London, dating back to... Absolutely. 15, is it 1500s? It or goes even further even than that, some, that, some parts of it. But I mean, as an extant building with that portico you see at the front, yes, 15, um, 1500s, I well, believe. It's absolutely stunning. And I'm ashamed to say, having lived in London all my life, I've never visited it before, <laughs> which, which is awful. Well, the Hidden Gems is a beautiful art gallery. There's quite a lot of history and heritage here. And you can actually see bits of the amphitheater as well. Yeah. So um, anyone who wants to, please think of the Guildhall as a small. No, absolutely. Well, we'll, you, we'll have an opportunity to give uh, what we colloquially call shout outs throughout the course of this uh, conversation. And at the end, I'll give people an opportunity to find out how to, how to get in touch with you and to find out more about the wonderful work you're doing. Now, we're actually here today primarily to talk about, maybe not widely publicised yet, I don't know, but I wasn't aware of it until I spoke to one of my good guests and friends, Jason Sandy, uh, about the Mayflower 400 project and programme, which goes live this month and goes on for a whole year into next year as well. So we'll talk about that. Do you want to give a brief overlay of what that is? Yes. Before, and then tell us about how you know, your background and how you got involved with it. So Mayflower 400 UK is a program being led from Plymouth by people like Charles Hackett and the team that he's assembled. It's working with what they call the Mayflower Compact Destination. So the places that are naturally associated with the Mayflower story, places like Bassett Law and Harwich, which is where the ship's captain came from. And part of the aim is to ensure that those local areas get a bit of regeneration, so Plymouth has, but also that there are offerings for tourists when they come to the UK, and actually also to Leiden and Holland, which is where the original Mayflower voyage was initially. Just for the sake of those who aren't, mm -hmm. heaven for fen, mm -hmm. familiar with the Mayflower story, yeah. just a very high-level overview of the importance yeah. of the Mayflower journey. And then, then we'll go on to 
you know, what, what you're doing with the project? I mean, it's remarkably significant. In some ways, it seems like a small tale, 102 English people, and they were English, yes. rather than even British, sailing from London via Plymouth to America. They meant to get to Virginia. They didn't make it. They ended up in New England. So it seems like one of those slightly strange stories in terms of its, its origination. They were faithful. There were two groups of uh, religious communities and there were merchants on board. So they arrived in America within a year, half of them were dead. This is in 1620. Yes, yeah. yeah, 1620. So the Mayflower 400 celebrations are commemorating 400 years next year since it's held. About a year in, they were in a really dire situation when two locals uh, from the Wampanoag, Samoset and Squanto, came out of the wilderness as they perceived it and taught the settlers how to sort of cultivate the land. For 50 years, there was peace between the communities. So it's, it's a great tale of engagement. And if we go from the specific to the general, it's a tale that could speak as well for a Polish community in Boston, Lincolnshire, as, as for descendants of the Mayflower. Because it's about hope, it's hard work, it's migration, it's endeavor. And it's got other ticks and currents to it. So I mentioned there were different communities on board. While they were anchored off the American coast, there were tensions between those communities. And what they signed was the Mayflower Compact, which was really an agreement on how they would behave and interact. And that compact was one of the documents which informed later the American Constitution mm. and the Declaration of Independence. And it can be traced back further to Magna Carta. So it's in a cultural and a heritage and a legal tradition that links us to, to the Americans uh, in particular. So when we talk today of our special relationship with America, yeah. we can trace it right back to 400 years ago. Exactly. And the values that we share. And, and it's something that can speak very much to this moment in time as well. Um, and the reason the city was involved was partially trade. And there's no separation between, I think, uh, a profit motive and, and doing good works. So there were members of the livery companies who pooled their funds in what they call the merchant adventurers. I think there were about 18 companies involved, and they were essentially venture capitalists in the time. Uh, the pilgrims were struggling to get the money to make their voyage work. When the merchant adventurers engaged, they set up a corporate structure and they made sure that there was, a, you know, there was an incentive. The plan was that the pilgrims, uh, or rather the Mayflower voyagers, would settle the land and be able to send produce back to the UK, skins, furs, things like that. And over time that worked, but the, you know, it took a long time for the, the, the proposition to become profitable. And of course what happened is it became politically successful and really in some ways sowed the seeds for the American Republic. Do we know at what point they became known as the pilgrims? Because originally they were, they were religious, yeah. they were called separatists, weren't they? Because yeah, yeah. they were opposed to what was going on in, in England at the time. Yeah, I mean... I'm hesitant in some of my terminology yeah. um, because terms have been fairly loosely used, Puritans, pilgrims, etc., strangers as well. The merchants were spoken of in those, those regards. But I think separatists and settlers and voyagers are the general, and other terms have been used fairly loosely. There's a historian called Graham Taylor who I'm, I'm sure would want to kick me with some of these terms I use, but yeah. And I believe as a result of those, how many settlers did you say were finally survived in the well, only the, 60 or something? There were 102 on the, the voyage and about half of them died okay. within a year, so 50 or so people. Yeah, and now direct descendants mm -hmm. from those few people, yeah, numbered in the, the millions. Well, yeah, tens of millions. Tens of millions. And whilst a lot of them are in the States, some, have, you know, some descendants are found in the UK or places like Chile, so there's been a widespread and some you know, remarkable names, uh, Robert Redford, Benedict Cumberbatch, Franklin Roosevelt. Wow. Uh, I'm told even yeah. Taylor Swift. Well, uh, well yes. 
<laughs> Clearly, she she must be. <laughs> uh, she doesn't need any more support. No, no, no. So there there are, there are millions upon millions. Yeah. Um, and, and this is, I mean, part of what we do in Your London Legacy is talk, talk to amazing mm. people doing great things. And it's all about the diversity mm. of cultures and people. And you, you spoke of Chilean descendants. Yes, and yes. I think that's where you have your own yeah. Chilean heritage as well. So Tell my, us a bit about that. My mum was Delano and our family settled in Chile when my ancestors built a frigate, which they sold to the Chilean Navy at the time of independence. But they were a North, a New, North American and New England family. And um, they can be traced back through marriage to a woman called Elizabeth Warren, who was a descendant of a man called Richard Warren, who was on board that um, that vessel in 1620. Wow. And, um, That's a wonderful oh, sorry, thing. Sorry, it was Mercy Warren. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so he was a London merchant, sailed out. Um, he didn't live very long. He was an elderly man, but his wife and his daughters survived him, and they set up a line which intermarried. And quite a lot of Mayflower descendants can trace back to Richard Warren. Mm, phenomenal. So how did you first get involved in this project? A friend of mine, I'm a member of a livery company called The Drapers, and a friend of mine called Philip Beddoes is a member of that company. He was, I mean, these wonderful coincidences, but he's friendly with uh, a man called Oliver Colville, who was a conservative MP in Plymouth, and from his Plymouth background, had got involved with the planning for Mayflower 400. Philip asked if I wanted an introduction. I met Oliver. I liked what he was about. So Oliver was supporting Charles Hackett and the Mayflower 400 team centrally, but also trying to promote activities, Mayflower scholarships, um, an autonomous vessel to help clean up the oceans. And Oliver's drive and purpose really enthused me. Um, I was also mindful that the Corporation of London, which is the, the city's political authority, wasn't at that st stage engaged. And I think perhaps the London aspect of the Mayflower voyage wasn't really known, the original Mayflower voyage. So I tried to make a few connections and just support that. And then to assist where I'm able with some of the local initiatives and other national ones. So there's a plan to put 22 disadvantaged children on board a sailing vessel and get them to sail themselves to the States. You know, those same qualities, endeavor, character, adventure, and hopefully social mobility coming from that. And then a similar number of Americans to sail to the UK. So that's for next year. Yeah, sounds amazing. So when, when was this first conceived, this idea, this notion of putting something together on this scale? Probably about, well, it was 2016 that the um, Department of Culture, Media and Sport gave the funding to Plymouth Council to draw a team together. So I suppose we're approaching four years. And mm. Charles Hackett spent a lot of time drawing communities together and aligning them in activities. And you know, a lot of this will be locally driven. So Bassett Law will be driving what they're doing on the ground there, Harwich likewise, Plymouth likewise. But Plymouth's coordinating the wider scheme and there'll be works in the UK, there'll be works in the United States and in the Netherlands as well. But lots of individual programs and people are you know, actively you know, invited to engage with that. So it's a huge program of events. Mm. Just talk us through some of the, the key themes of the events. Mm -hmm. Because I think you're trying to do, have 400. Yes, yes, Obviously yes. resident of the 400 years, 400 different mini events and larger themed events going on. One of the voyagers wrote a record, which I think was called On Plantation. And he talked about lighting a candle. And that's been, if you'll forgive the metaphor, a spark to a lot mm. of the activity. So one of the major themes is illumination. And that works, again, in its general so powerfully. And that's going to inform various activities in some places there'll be say 400 people walking through a town center with torches and light there will be poetry readings there will be lectures musical entertainments i know of an american soprano who's planning a libretto which she wants to put on in london 
focusing on the role of women on the Mayflower, so not just the male aspect. Mm -hmm. I mean, one thing that was really powerful about the voyage was it wasn't the classic young men going and settling a place. These were families. There'll be, there's a half marathon that runs through the cities of London and Westminster, and they're going to have a Mayflower aspect to their story too. And I think the first London event I'm aware of is on the 27th of November, where Ranulph Fiennes is going to be talking. So again, that theme of adventure and exploration mm. is very much at the fore. Being a London-based podcast, and mm. we're sitting here in the city of London, mm. obviously we're interested in, in what is going on in London. And we spoke about, mm -hmm. previously I've met with Jason, we've, we've yes. got mudlarking yeah, on yeah. The, you know, uh, Rotherhithe and the Mayflower Pub, which is the site of where, uh, was it Captain Jones, I think, yes. sort of, yeah. who was one of the investors and mm -hmm. the captain of the ship. What's going on in and around the, the area of Southwark and Rotherhithe? What are the events happening? Now, there's a great person called Claire Armstrong, and she's pulled together a team. They are looking to raise funds for what they call, I hope I'm getting this term correct, Rotherhithe Illuminate, which is different to the Illuminate Rotherhithe. This particular plan is going to be to light up places of interest in, in the Southwark and Rotherhithe community. So there's a church that was very much involved. It's where I, I think Christopher Jones was buried, um, the Mayflower Pub and places around that. And it's a community where there is a real sense of cohesive spirit but I think the illumination of those public buildings can really draw to the fore some wonderfully historic sites. They've had support from the Mayor of London. They've had support from individual donors. Um, but they've definitely got a target ahead of them and a timeline. So if anyone is interested, please you know, try and engage with Claire. There's a great project there. And there will be entertainments. There's also a group called Bubble Theatre, led by uh, Jonathan Petherbridge. They're, they put on community theatre activities. Um, so one was charting, was rather uh, mapping the outline of the Mayflower boat. So you can see how small it was with school children getting involved. Another was a trail through the city of London, particularly, but looking at those places that connected. There are singers, uh, Paso Mezzo, who sing in traditional style. They involve, get involved with bubble theatre. So in Southwark and Rotherhithe, there'll be those sorts of activities. The illumination, the bubble theatre work their work with singers and other activities. And within the city, there'll be talks. Uh, Graham Taylor, the historian I mentioned earlier, is going to be giving a talk at the Dutch church next spring, particularly about the London and the Dutch aspect of the Mayflower story. Um, there'll be the half marathon in March that's going to go through the cities. There will be at Guild Hall, where we started earlier, a wampum belt on display. And that demonstrates we talk about some of the nations involved, but really it's a four-nation project. Because mm, that's interesting. We talk of yeah. four nations. Mm. Obviously, we're familiar with the mm. significance of Holland because we're, we're yeah. pilgrims went and escaped from yeah. this country to stay in Holland initially, then came back, mm -hmm. and America, yes, yeah. and ourselves. Yeah. But there's the Wampong nation. Yeah. Well, Samoset and Squanto, who saved the, 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 the settlers, were Wampanoag people. And again, that heritage that's sometimes forgotten of 50 years of peace between the communities is important to recognize. Of course, migration is a theme in, in many societies at the moment, but the cooperation, the collaboration, the, the, the engagement that those communities showed at that point of time is exemplary for, for our moment, as well as, to my mind, the adventure and the enterprise shown by the voyagers themselves. So there are many lessons we can learn mm. from Mayflower. And one of the, the lasting symbols, I suppose, of the heritage and culture uh, and the assistance of the Wampong and mm. the, the settlers was the harvest that they yes, they yes, managed to secure. Yes. I think it was in the following year after they settled there. Yeah, exactly. Um, after they'd had a terrible first winter when I mm. think at least half of them died yeah, and yeah. perished. 
Yeah. Then they managed to secure a good harvest in the first year, which led to what well, we now know as yeah. Thanksgiving. We think about the political currents and the sort of the, the settlement of a nation or a state, but Thanksgiving is really tracked right back to that moment in time and that you know, few dozen people who were celebrating their survival. And yeah, we do hope, we haven't got the plans tied down, but we do hope that there'll be a Thanksgiving supper to recognize that in, in the city. And the American embassy have been great in engaging with these ideas. The current ambassador makes great emphasis on these sorts of traditions and, and shared values. So I hope there'll be something, but yeah. you know, there's a lot still to be determined. Yeah, I mean, talking to Jason, who is an American mm. in London, I mean, it's quite clear that Thanksgiving is way more important and mm. greater significance to them than our Christmas celebrations yeah. over here, for example. Yeah, and it, and it resonates even, I mean, I mentioned the voyage with the 22 disadvantaged kids. That's led by a, a charity that I'm involved with called Challenger Trust. And they talk about a daily act of gratitude where people, they've got a, a goal, they've got an aspiration, and we want to support them get there. But that's often helped by realizing what you have, you know, those resources at your disposal rather than those you don't possess. And thanksgiving and gratitude have a, an obvious thread between each other. Mm. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of good that can come. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a huge program um, you're undertaking across, well, obviously you're responsible uh, primarily for the things yeah. going on around in London, I'm guessing. Yes, yes, yeah. What what have you found to be without, without the biggest obstacles you've you've over, you've had to come well, across? I mean, one right at the start, and I mean, Plymouth is understandably central. You know, mm. When they the, the voyagers arrived in in what is now the United States, then America, they named their place Plymouth Rock, and then that's in the songs and and, and and the legacy. But the first obstacle was really getting people to realise that London was so involved with it. You know, as I said, you know, people in the livery companies funded the voyage. Some of the passengers. Were, were London merchants as opposed to Southwark people. Harvard College was a, a Southwark, named after a person who was living in Southwark. So uh, there are a lot of things that track back to London. But Plymouth is, when British people think of the Mayflower, they tend to think of the Plymouth Steps and the point of departure. Mm -hmm. But Plymouth was just that. It was the point from which they left. A lot of them came from other places. And, and you know, whilst individual places often celebrate their involvement, London has to some extent forgotten it. Mm. And Rotherhithe was, I think, the shipbuilding mm. yeah, yeah. part of London where the, where, the, where the Mayflower was actually created. Yeah, well, I'm, to, to my understanding, yes. I mean, there are some, the, the, the bit of Mayflower that even historians are less clear of is, is the sailor side. So there were about 30 sailors on board. We think they were, were Southwark people, but we're not 100% sure in the full detail. And Captain Jones was from Harwich. But again, a lot of people had sort of dual location at that time. So strong roots in the sailing communities of that part of London in its wider sense, even if you hailed from somewhere else originally. And I mentioned the American uh, opera singer earlier. She's uh, looking at particular characters, but including Captain Jones's wife, who was pregnant when he sailed over to um, on the voyage. And of course, sometimes we forget the people who are left behind. And we also... I personally find it incredible to think the journey that they actually made. Mm. I mean, there were actually two ships originally mm. that were supposed to mm -hmm. have left from Plymouth. One of them, I forgot what it was called, the Speed? Yes, I think Speedwell. Speedwell, yeah. which actually sprung a leak, so they had to yeah. turn back and they all had to then get onto to the Mayflower and then cross the Atlantic uh -huh. for in horrendous conditions uh -huh. for over, was it 60-day journey? Yeah, I think so. And uh, not all of them made it. I mean, I, I mentioned that my mum was a Delano. There were Delanos on the Speedwell who had to go back to Leiden and take a boat a few years later. So you know, when we think of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, his descent was through Richard Warren, but you know, his Delano connection to the enterprise was profound. They were in Leiden and part of the planning, but they you know, 
they just didn't make it on the boat in the end. Um, and yeah, I mean, there are so many metaphors for this, but of course they set off for, for somewhere they, 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 they aimed to get to, they didn't make it, things went wrong along the way, but they still succeeded in the longer term. And I think that's a message for our age as well. Absolutely. Is this something that's going to be rolled out into schools as well? Is there an intention, an educational program for this? I did talk to people in the Department of Education a while ago, but politicians. The understanding was that officials already have Mayflower in the curriculum to a degree. But I mean, it's a story that could resonate so deeply for school children. And I've got a daughter who's 11 and a son who's two. Now, the two-year-old's not really particularly aware of this, but my daughter is. And if you look on uh, internet search engines, horrible histories and other programs have been made that attach to the story. So there is material there. And I think it's already to some degree in the curriculum, but I would hope next year that the DOV will really draw this to the fore. And I think what we'll see is a lot of people will see the work that Charles Hackett and the Mayflower 400 team are doing and around that engage appropriately and tailor materials. So yeah, I'd love it to be part of the curriculum. Well, I think it certainly should. And in terms of, we use this word, in the podcast, you're all on the legacy. What do you anticipate? What are you hoping mm -hmm. to achieve in the longer term beyond, beyond the celebrations over the next year? I mean, one thing I believe is that public authority and often other groups work through the silos that they have and they serve people with good intent and good purpose and ability through structures that exist. One of the things that the city does really well is draw people together. It acts as a convener of communities. I'm by the city, I mean the Corporation of London, convener of communities and a conduit for ideas. I hope that the ideas that the Mayflower touches on in its most profound, those of migration, of values, will be shared amongst communities of people who don't necessarily know each other or didn't know each other when this started. So, I mean, in my own experience, it's been a real privilege to get to know people like Claire Armstrong in Southwark and Graham Taylor and Simon Target, a historian who's written a book called New World Inc. And I hope that there'll be other people like me who will have made new friends, new contacts and new alignments. Um, so some of the charitable projects have been helping each other. Um, the Great River Race is a fantastic thing. Every September, 300 boats going upriver. They've been working with the Challenger Trust team. who you know, They've got very different ideas other than they're on water. So the Great River Race is going to have a Mayflower theme. Challenger Trust wants to put 22 disadvantaged kids and sail them over on a, on a boat and sell them to That's the lovely, that really. I was going to say flex my boat. Eh? <laughs> there <laughs> there are so many nautical yeah, metaphors yeah, we could indeed. have. And so it's, it's that really, that people have come together who didn't know each other beforehand and can hopefully collaborate going forward. Mm, splendid. And in terms of tourism, there's obviously some, mm -hmm. should be some inward additional tourism. I mean, because the Americans love coming to London at the, well, London is probably the starting point for their yes, journey into yes, yes. the UK. So what do you anticipate in terms of tourism? Well, London is a hub into which hopefully a lot of the American tourists who come over and the plan, you know, the, the projection is it could be even double the number that came from wow. the 2012 Olympics. So hopefully a, a lot will come to London and then go to places of significance for them. There's an American tour operator, um, Tom Bartlett, who uh, focuses on what he calls kinship groups, for example, the Howlett family. And he's preparing uh, programs of activity for those people who come and want to follow their own ancestor story from the originating point in, in, in England to their ultimate destination. So London will be a hub through which a lot of people sort of um, flow outwards. But London and Partners, which is a strategic body, part funded by the corporation, but also engaged largely with the mayor of London, um, so the sort of the greater London, 
um, is aware of the Mayflower 400 works. And I know that Charles Hackett's team have been in contact with them, but I hope Laura Citron and the London and Partners team will be engaging on this. I'm just not aware of the detail. Yeah. There. But there's some amazing ideas I've seen in some of the literature, you know, mm. hiring these um, mm. mini, mini tra- what do you call them? Yeah. Winnebago sort of yeah, type yeah. things and traveling from London and going out to, mm. you know, Boston and Lincolnshire yeah, and traveling yeah. around some of the sites in Plymouth. There's brilliant ideas. Oh, I mean, absolutely marvelous ideas. And, um, you know, I think politicians have engaged as well. Um, John Mann, who is now in the House of Lords, but a Labour MP up in Bassett Law, has been really a strong supporter through the all-party parliamentary group on, on Mayflower. And yeah, absolutely. I think... You know, you know the there. trouble is there's something in the political arena that's been going on for a few <laughs> years that might have overshadowed <laughs> these, sort of things, these sort of interesting, fascinating things. They're going to leave a legacy probably beyond Brexit, I would imagine. It, it, it certainly has. I mean, I think... I try to avoid saying the B word, but well, it's impossible in, but, in the situation. But, but it comes up. And it's yeah. been... I mean, that, yeah, of course, it's, it's, it's an initiative, but it's, we've had three years of introspection and... Um, I say this as somebody who's profoundly committed to Brexit, but we need to look outwards. One thing we've not we've not touched mm-hmm. upon so far is what you anticipate will be the impact mm-hmm. in terms of business and commerce, not just in London, although mm-hmm. London is specific to this podcast, but generally across uh, the UK. Yeah, I mean, the program was conceived with Department of Culture, Media and Sport engagement, and business wasn't really central. But to my mind, again, it has great relevance for business people who are looking at their future markets, essentially. And if we think about the backdrop, Leiden, Holland, major EU trading partner, but drawing to places like Boston in the United States and a non-EU trading partner. So it could be a profoundly useful conversation or a backdrop for trade negotiations and for trade individual companies' activities. So the hope is that with partners like the American Embassy, with partners like the British American Business Council, there will be support for people who are looking at American markets. Whether they're West Country maritime manufacturers, who we do trust will be involved, or indeed, to my mind, London-based professional financial services firms and others, FinTech, for example, there is a great opportunity to emphasize that our shared values are one connection, but also that there was a trade aspect right at the heart of the original Mayflower voyage um, that shouldn't be forgotten. Because we can have um, a tendency in modern society, I think, to sort of pigeonhole people. There is a person of faith, there is a person of business. That separation isn't necessary. And the Lord Mayor of London is going to be in Boston next spring. As part of a cultural program, he's going with the Honorable Artillery Company. But there is just the possibility there could be some sort of business representation around that. Uh, It's yet to be settled. Not everybody's convinced this is a business story, first and foremost. But possibly not primarily. I mean, that was not the original intention, clearly. It's an historical Mm. legacy and a cultural event. But I've no doubt there will be business relationships mm. that will be formed and business, yeah. you know, trade will be able to be done. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a story of enterprise in, in, in many respects and venture in, its, in a very particular sense. So it can speak to business people quite profoundly, those who engage with risk. I mean, evidently half of the, the voyages were dead within a year. Um, I mean, that kind of puts in context a lot of the business risks we run when we engage in our, our mm. own small businesses. And are you able to talk of the some of the sponsors you got on board? At the moment, the main one is a law firm called Womble Bond Dickinson in London and in other parts of the UK and in the US. They've been incredibly supportive. We had an event here um, at Guildhall October last year, which they supported. 
and I'm really grateful to them. There are others, but many of the other sponsors and supporters are not commercial organizations, and that kind of reflects the backdrop to this being really driven by the Department of Culture, Media, and Sport. Um, we do have partners in DIT who we're talking to now, and I hope that that will unlock some other possibilities, but much of the funding is central government-driven. Right, but you, you hope you, know, oh, yeah. you can make a plea for other commercial enterprises to jump on board and support this. Very much so. I mean, if people want to go to the States and knock on doors, DIT will help them, but there might be an aspect of sponsorship from, say, a professional services firm for a, tr a mini trade mission for others. And I mean, at its heart, again, this is a community. It's a community I'm profoundly proud to be part of. But when we talk about financial services, we often talk about our significance and we forget the service word. We exist because we're serving other parts of the economy and other people. And you know, if there is a professional services or a financial services representation supporting businesses elsewhere, then let's bring that to the fore. It's nearly time to wrap up. Mm -hmm. We're just shortly to be kicked out of this glorious room, <laughs> I, I sense. <laughs> so can you just touch on some of the key time frame, the key points that's when this kicks off and the duration of it and what are the key sort of milestones as we go through it? Well, the national program is starting in November this year and it will run through next year. There will be some, some tail end events, um, but essentially to November 2020. September next year, 2020, is going to be the big focus on Plymouth. So on the 16th, there's going to be a naval master of British, uh, sort of Royal Navy, US and, and Dutch vessels in Plymouth Sound. There'll be um, choirs, hopefully senior political speakers who engage. Uh, it's during the American election year, so it won't be President Trump um, because he'll be prevented from engaging with such events. Um, but there will be political speakers and others there. In London, I mentioned this month, November, uh, we'll have Saran Alfine speaking at Draper's Hall. If you're interested, please contact Mayflower 400 Centrally. I'm sure they will try and facilitate attendance if there's still capacity. Next March 2020, the half marathon is going to be going through London and Westminster, and we'll have a Mayflower 400 theme to it. Um, that's a great event. I mean, I've run it the last couple of years. It's really fantastic. We've had good weather. But if anyone wants to come to London, they'll see runners sweating their way through the two cities. Um, there's a lot of entertainment. There's music. There's a vibrancy to that that half marathon that I think is incredibly attractive. So it's the, uh, the London Heritage Half Marathon in March 2020. There will be smaller scale activities. Um, so Graham Taylor talking in the Dutch church will be a really interesting lecture, but that will only have a capacity of about 100 people. At Guildhall Art Gallery, I need to check the dates, but the wampum belt is, that has yeah, is being manufactured, is going to be displayed. Um, and I think that will be an interesting exhibition. It'll have that piece of artifact. It'll be part of a general exhibition that's been driven out of Plymouth, but it'll also have the London mudlarks. Jason and, and Nick Stevens are putting their, their stuff on. Oh, display, fantastic. So. so there's a whole range. Mm. I mean, as you said, there's up to 400 mm. different events going on, um, starting this month, yeah. I believe, and going right through, as you say, mm -hmm. to September, November next year, culminating in the big events in September yeah. time. If people want to find out more, yes. um, they can go to the website if you just want to clarify what that is for us. Yes, it's... <laughs> <laughs> if you can remember. <laughs> well, I can't actually, but it's, it's mayflower400uk.org, I believe. Just Google it. I, yeah, that's what exactly. I did, and you'll find a ton of information there. There's a wonderful... Uh, there's loads of stuff on there, um, which you can find out what's going on in the different regions, the different yeah. areas, all the cross-cultural and international stuff that's going on. 
Yeah. There's a wonderful document you can download called the National Programme Announcement, which is, you've got the timeline mm-hmm. of all the events of the travelling yeah. of the Mayflower and the yeah. Pilgrims, and you've got why we're doing this, or yes. why, why, yeah, yeah. why we're involved with this, the values, the yeah. mission, absolutely, and the, the broad outline of all the different events that are going on. So I strongly recommend people yeah. to get to go along and get involved. And you can Google London Mayflower as well. There'll be things that's tagged to that that will come up. Specific to London Mayflower, yeah. Uh, the air are rather high. There's beautiful yeah. Southwark, the church, the Mary's Definitely. Church. I shouldn't need to promote the pub, but the pub Mayflower, <laughs> and, uh, I'm sure they could take bookings now well into next year. There's lots going on. And also, I mean, just by St. Paul's, there's a tourist information centre that the corporation runs. Because the Corporation of London is now a partner, we'll be displaying material. So if people are in London by St. Paul's and they want to pop into that centre, they can find out what's going on at that particular point in time. Fantastic. I don't know if there's a Twitter account or an Instagram account or any social media going on for this, or presumably that would be on the website as there, well. There is a Twitter account. I think it's M400UK or Mayflower 400 UK. There's also Mayflower 400 London, which is run by Graham Taylor, and other people are Twittering or tweeting, whatever tweeting, the phrase yeah. is. And I'm sure we can get some um, viral, something viral going, <laughs> hashtag Mayflower 400 or something like that. London would, yeah. would be great. Well, it's been a, a, an absolute pleasure and it's been a privilege to be in this magnificent um, dining hall as well in the guild hall it's stunning um thank you so much for your time as i know how busy you are i mean just involved in getting this program organized and we've got a lot to be grateful and thank thankful to you for so thank you steve many thanks indeed for your time and and work on this project thank you very much so I'm not going to let um, Mark escape from this just because we're sat here in the <laughs> in this beautiful surroundings. But as, as you know, anyone who listens to the show, I always ask my guests to name a couple of places that they love in London. Could be person that's personal to them, particularly for, for whatever reason. So you live and work in London. What are your couple of places you're going to recommend to us, Mark? Well, much as I'm a big fan of the city, I'm going to choose two places outside this. That's fine. The first, and I think Mrs. Wheatley, we've been together nearly 20 years, would probably be a bit surprised by this. She's from the Czech Republic. Uh-huh. And we met in a little pub in West Hampstead called the Czech Pub. Um, oh. And it, yeah, it's a great, basically, it's a domestic house that back during the Second World War was used by the Czech pilots. And through time, it's become a little center for that. <laughs> people in the Czech community in London. And it serves great Czech food, um, very traditional Czech food. Great check. Um, uh, you talked about pubs earlier, but the beer is good and, and the other soft drinks are fine. And it's somewhere that's really close to my heart because it's where I met my wife. Sounds good. Closer to home, I, I live in South London um, on, on that side of the river, is Greenwich Park. Beautiful. And, you know, two young kids, 11-year-old and, and two-and-a-half-year-old. You know, if the weather's like it is today with a bit of sunshine, a wonderful place to go. And, you know, the views as you look across the river at Canary Wharf and the rest of London, to my mind, link our heritage and our business. And, and, and I love the park. I, of course, think it's got themes around Mayflower in that sense. Absolutely. Well, two very different but mm. uh, wonderful places. I look forward to, I was going to say, checking out the pub, but that's uh, another <laughs> another lousy pun, I'm afraid. But uh, it's uh, two, two great recommendations. So we'll, we'll, um, we'll make a note of those and link, put the links on to the, uh, the show notes as well. Nice. So... Once again, Mark, thank you ever so much for everything, and it's been a pleasure to meet you. Great, and likewise, thank you. Every week here at Your London Legacy, we bring straight to your device a new and fascinating guest with a wonderful London-based story. We hope you enjoy listening to their timeless stories as much as we enjoy creating them for you. If so, the best way to show your appreciation is to subscribe to the show. Simply go to www.yourlondonlegacy.com and pop your name and email in the box where shown. 
That way, you'll never miss another episode. Thank you for your support.